Well, it is, it's my privilege to tell you that I'm not speaking this morning. <laughs> we have special guests with us this morning, the Radcliffs, Jim and Kathy and their daughter Lydia. And the Radcliffs have been special friends of this church for a long time. Um, they, they went to Mount Vernon, Nazarene, was it college at the time, along with our DS and, our, and Pastor Bob. And, um, and Jim and, and Dad actually spent time um, practicing tennis together for the tennis team. I need to call the ushers. I forgot to do that at the beginning of this. So ushers, will you come? We're going to take the offering as I introduce them. But the ushers are going to come, and, and I'll pray for that. And then I'll continue introducing them and telling you about them. I've got a personal story that I want to share with you about that. Let me pray for our offering. Dear Lord, I just pray that as, as we come before you and... In all the ways that you've blessed us, Lord, I pray that we would give back to you. I pray that as we give our offerings this morning and our tithes, that, that, that you would just help us to be generous, um, help us to give not out of uh, a grudge, grudging heart, but out of just joy and, and just knowing that you have blessed us beyond what we could ever imagine. And so, Lord, we give because we love you, and we pray that you would bless this offering. Amen. So the Radcliffs went to Mount Vernon Nazarene College uh, along with um, my parents, with our DS, and um, they spent some time there, and then Jim went, went on to another school that some of you might appreciate, The Ohio State University, and graduated from there. And in 1985, they went to Papua New Guinea to be missionaries for the Church of the Nazarene, 32 years They've been serving in Papua New Guinea, and they have, there's a hospital in Kujup. How many of you have been to Papua New Guinea on a trip? I thought there would be more. Okay, well, you guys need to get to Papua New Guinea, right? It's a beautiful place. They've been serving there for 30, almost, or around 32 years. There, and they, there's a hospital in Kujup Hospital. It's a big compound, and, and Jim has been doing surgery and, and general care for people there for that long. And so they've given their whole lives to missions and to the church of the Nazarene and to the people of Papua New Guinea. They have six kids. I'm excited to tell you someone has more kids than me. They have six kids, Ben, Josiah, Lydia, who's with us today, Priscilla, Rebecca, and Timothy, and they have six kids, and they've joined us all the way from Papua New Guinea, and they've come to share with us today. But before they do, I just, I want to take a second and share a personal story that I have that, that's very meaningful to me from the chance I, I had to go to Papua New Guinea. So we went to Papua New Guinea. This was, um, this was my junior, it's senior year in between of high school, and we went to Papua New Guinea and spent, I think, a week and a half there. And when we were there, um, they do a lot of their stuff on generators. And I remember there was one night that it was storming really bad. And in Papua New Guinea, sometimes they'll have tribal wars. And when they have tribal wars, people get rushed into the hospital with different injuries. And some of those injuries are pretty interesting, things that we don't find very often here. I think um, that night maybe someone was brought with an ax in their head or somewhere like that. But, but there's this huge storm and they operate on generators and so the power actually went out, the generators went out and there was at the same time a, a, a tribal war had happened and people were being rushed to the hospital. And I remember we were sitting in their living room 
And I don't remember if we were having devotions or we were just hanging out. But I remember there was this kind of like panic going on of, oh my word, the power's out. We don't have power here, but these people are being rushed in because they're injured and we need to help them. And I'll never forget what happened right then and there. They didn't say, oh, we got to hurry up and we got to do something. They didn't say, oh, we got to get that power back on. Do you know what they did? They said, we need to sit down and we need to pray and we need to ask God to take care of this situation for us. And I've never forgotten that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that example of putting prayer first. And, I'm, and so we are thrilled to have the Radcliffs with us this morning. I'm thrilled that you get to hear from them. And so would you come and would you welcome them? Thank you. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Thank you, Pastor Alex. What a special treat to be here on your installation. This is a special blessing to see all of your family and to be with Bob and Elaine again. And we do kind of consider this one of our home churches. I think we've been here about as much as any church that we've been privileged to go to on furloughs and deputation. So at the very beginning, I would like to thank you for your partnership. Uh, you have sent things. You have given generously financially. You have prayed fervently. And some of you have even come. And we appreciate it. And God has blessed your work. Tonight I'll be telling how God has blessed the work in the churches and in the hospital. And in tomorrow morning in our personal lives. Today I wanted to share my testimony. And I think it goes along with uh, the change that you've just undergone of Bob's leadership and now Alex. Um, First Chronicles 28, verse 20, talks about when David handed over the kingdom to his son Solomon. Let's read it together. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous. Do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. My son Ben, my oldest son, is back in New Guinea, taking over the work that I've left there for furlough. And so this scripture means a lot to me, and I would say it to my son as well. The Lord, my God, will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9 goes along with this. Chronicles 28, 9. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father. Serve him wholehearted with wholehearted devotion. With a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart, understands every desire and every thought, and if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. Today, this is my testimony that Jesus Christ has never left us nor forsaken us in those 32 years. He will not leave you nor forsake you as well. God would say to each one of us, be strong and courageous in what I've called you to do. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Serve him wholeheartedly. And with a willing mind. Deuteronomy 31. 
Chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, verse 6 through 8. Moses to Joshua. As they're going into the promised land and leadership. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. You must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. You must divide it among them as their inheritance. Then Moses, the Lord himself, goes before you. The Lord will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And I think there's another verse coming up. These are all repetitions of that same theme. Were we in Joshua there or in Deuteronomy? Guys, help me up in the top there. All right. I didn't bring my glasses. I thought I would be able to see this better than my Bible. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we've got David to Solomon, Moses to Joshua, and the Lord as well. Be strong and courageous. You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to obey everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, says the Lord, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Pastor Alex, I would give this encouragement to you. Jesus Christ, the God of your fathers, will never leave you nor forsake you. I would like to share with you my testimony of how this verse has impacted my life, these verses. He will never leave you nor forsake you. There's an old gospel song that says, He stilled the storms and calmed my fears, forgave my sins and dried my tears. He is the same through endless years. He will not fail me now. He has never left us nor forsaken us. As a child growing up in the church of the Nazarene, I accepted Christ at an early age and heard his early call at age eight to be a missionary. As a young boy, when a car ran over me in a sledding accident, Jesus Christ never left me nor forsook me. That car, that lady driving the car was more scared than I was. I was sledding down a street that teed into another road, just thinking what a great sledding road this was. And I ran right under the car, and the wheels ran over me. And I lifted up my trousers, and there were the tire marks, but not a scratch. 
God had something else in mind for my life. As a youth searching for truth and going through a time of doubting in high school, Jesus Christ never left me nor, nor forsook me. As a teenager learning to serve in the church and hearing God's call again at youth camp up at St. Mary's, Ohio, he was with me. As a college student learning to find God's will for my life and preparing for that call and trust, Jesus never left me. As a youth in mission volunteer spending a summer in Guatemala, Jesus was there. Bob went first to Bolivia and inspired us to try a missions trip. As a young man finding my best friend for life, Kathy, Jesus was trustworthy. As a medical student getting into Ohio State University and then getting back out with a degree, Jesus was with me. I trusted him in those days of study. As a senior medical student at Ohio State, going to Papua New Guinea for my first trip in 1979 and finding my place in the church and God's kingdom and seeing the need they had for surgery, Jesus never left me. As a young adult trusting God for which specialty he wanted me to go into and choosing surgery so I could do whatever was needed on the mission field, Jesus never left me. I did not like surgery at Ohio State University. As a medical student, we went there before the sun came up and we left after the sun came down and it was tough work and everybody hated each other and I thought, why would you want to do this? And then that's what God led me into because there was a need. There was no surgeon at Kujip. And God helped me to love using my hands and using the gifts he had given me and taught me how to pray with patience so they could find the joy of Jesus. As a young surgeon in training, preparing for service and missions and starting a family, those were challenging days in Columbus, Ohio. I remember going outside of the operating room at Columbus Children's Hospital. We were, we were on call every other night, so... You knew you were off call if you were driving home. And if you were driving to the hospital, you were on call. And I was just dead tired. And I had actually fallen asleep in surgery, holding retractors for the surgeon as I was the resident. And the surgeon kicked me out of the room. And I went out and I thought, Lord, you got to help me. Help me to stay awake. Help me to survive this experience. And Jesus did. He never left us. As a family trusting God in our marriage and child-rearing and discipling years, Jesus was there. As a family of four, when we went to New Guinea in 85 from the General Assembly in Anaheim, and Bob and Elaine were there to send us off at the airport, Jesus went with us. As a young missionary learning tropical surgery and medicine and the language and the culture of New Guinea, we had not studied malaria a lot at Ohio State University. We knew about it, but it was different to see people dying of it. Those were challenging days, and Jesus was with us. As a young family in a small missionary aviation fellowship plane, overloaded with pastors, we climbed through the clouds, and we could not see over the highest mountain in New Guinea, which is 1,500 feet tall. And the stall meter of that little plane as we spiraled 
without being able to see was going off. And I thought, Lord, is this the end? This is our first term, and we're going to have to be in the Holiness Today missionary as ca- uh, magazine as casualties. Jesus was with us in that plane. Finally, the pilot got above the clouds and got above the mountain and got us safety to where we were going. And he confirmed to me that it was a tough flight because I thought, well, maybe I'm just scared. I don't know little airplanes. But when I said, he said, when are you flying back? I said, no, we're not flying back. We're driving in a car. <laughs> it's a five-hour drive or a half-hour flight. He said, well, I understand. I was just trying to save our skins up there today. But Jesus was with us. I love that scripture that we read that says he goes before us. He goes with us. And he comes behind us wherever he calls us to go. God was with us on a remote road as we tried to take a family vacation on the north coast in Medang. And a huge semi almost ran us off the road. I did have to leave the road but he spared us. On a remote road to the southern highlands where we were looking at a work and witness site for a team coming, we were held up on the highway by gunned thieves, armed thieves. But God was with us. They did not harm us. They got our stuff, but they did not harm us. God was with us. When our home was broken into by thieves, he protected us. In a huge tribal fight that threatened the existence of our hospital in the 90s. When we lost our village language home, Jesus was with us and brought peace in that situation. In difficult times in the hospital, when there was too many patients and too much surgery and the patients were too ill and I was overwhelmed emotionally, physically, spiritually, Jesus was there. He has never left us nor forsaken us. He has come and put his arms around my shoulder, shown me what to do, enabled me with his wisdom and skill and strength and compassion. When we had trouble with criminal groups called rascals and disputes at the gate and drunks trying to break into our mission station, and I would go out and try to support the security staff, and they would be, the wild guys would be waving their bush knives around and threatening Jesus was there to protect us. In Mount Hagen, a a town an hour from our hospital, where we go to shop, Kathy and I went to shop a few years back, and a man came up to the car as I was getting in and tried to steal the keys from me and force me out of the car and take the car. And just as I was trying to push him out and he was grabbing for a weapon that he had in his back pocket, the largest man I had met in New Guinea, came up behind him and said, let the doctor alone. I thought, honestly, I thought maybe it was a black angel. I later learned it was a friend of a friend and God had just sent him in the right time. Jesus has never left us nor forsaken us. He has delivered us. He has rescued us. He has blessed us and provided for us. When we've had meetings with government people or with angry villagers, Jesus has been in those meetings. When our own kids have been sick, when they've had difficult deliveries, when I got sick myself and had to return to the U.S. three years ago for surgery, and I'll tell you more about that tomorrow, Jesus was there providing, blessing, encouraging, rescuing. 
On furlough three years ago when I was not fully healed, I started to do deputation again. And one night I was sitting in a pew in Florida and my surgical wounds, I had had two major surgeries, they were hurting and I had a cold and I was coughing and I thought, Lord, I cannot even stand up and speak for you tonight unless you take away the pain. And the pain disappeared and I could complete our furlough assignment. God has been there in his enabling presence. When I had to go back to Papua New Guinea three years ago, I thought my son Ben would already be there to join me in sharing the work. And I thought that will be nice because I've had heart surgery and adrenal cancer surgery and tumor surgery. And it will be great to have Ben's help. But his, his help was delayed because of visa problems and work permit problems. And the country wasn't letting them in. And I was in despair thinking I'm going to have to go back as a 60-year-old and do the same surgery I was doing when I was younger, and now I'm not even fully well. And I confessed that to a family where we were staying, and I said, you know, I'm fearful about going back. I need to confess that fear. And we had prayer together, and the lady of the home said, "Uh, can I give you a word of prophecy after prayer? And I said, well, I'm a Nazarene. We don't do a lot of prophecy, but go ahead, and I'll hear it. She said, you're not the same physically. You can't do everything you used to do. But if you will go back and follow God, he has told me, he will bless your spiritual ministry even greater than before. And the fear left. And we went back. And then God did send Ben and Catherine to help. God is there to supply the need. In times of despair and surgery, when I was about to lose a patient, Jesus has never left me nor forsaken me. Beth came to the hospital. Beth had severe pelvic infection. Dr. Bob knows what I'm talking about there in New Guinea. Tremendous sexually transmitted disease problems. She had abscesses in her pelvis and her bowel was involved with the abscesses. We got her on IV antibiotics. We took her to surgery. Took us several hours to free up the bowel obstruction, to remove the abscess material, several units of blood. We thought the surgery had been a success, but an hour later, they called me back to the hospital. In the recovery room, the patient was still there, and it had a cardiorespiratory arrest. No signs of life. We were doing CPR. We reintubated her. We gave her medications to restart the heart. Finally, we got a heartbeat, but it was very fast and rapid. We tried to support her blood pressure with some of our outdated medicines. We were in this process for an hour of resuscitation and hardly any signs of life, but a very faint blood pressure that we barely could detect. She was breathing just barely. We had given her lots of IV fluids. It looked like she was in congestive heart failure as well as a supraventricular tachycardia. The heart was beating too fast. About that time, the nurses came and said, there's a lady that needs an emergency C-section. This was Saturday night, skeleton crew. I had to excuse the staff to go set up for the C-section. And we said to Beth's family, we're going to have to let her go to those 30-bed wards with one nurse. And we've done everything we can do. We're just going to have to trust God and see what happens. 
But I was sad that Saturday night because I didn't have much hope for her. I honestly didn't know if Beth would make it on the trolley to the ward and survive that. But on Sunday morning, making rounds, Beth was wide awake. God had worked a miracle in her life. She was awake. She was sitting up. And that Sunday morning, the chaplains prayed with her and she gave her heart to Jesus. That didn't happen just because of my expertise. I had used all of my expertise, and it wasn't enough. God had worked a miracle through your prayers and through his grace and a spiritual miracle to follow the physical miracle. Jesus has never left us nor forsaken us. Mosin was brought to the hospital, chopped in both legs with a machete. Mosin's village the year before, had chopped a man's leg and it had caused him to lose his leg. And so now the enemy tribe at the road junction had surrounded him. Mosin had unfortunately gotten drunk and bragged that he was the person that had been responsible for that leg injury. So the enemy village chopped off of both of Mosin's legs. And we had to complete those amputations to save his life. His life was spared that night but we feared a tribal war that night. I said to my scrub nurse, Margaret, my scrub nurse, I've had the same one for 32 years. She's in charge of our department, beautiful woman of God, a deep woman of prayer. She is our missions president for that district. And I said to Margaret, we need to really pray that a tribal fight will not result out of this because it's a payback culture and it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a life for a life. And she said, Dr. Jim, I don't know if prayer is enough to keep this war from happening. Many of our workers come from the two village on either side of the hospital. This had the potential of shutting our hospital down. I went to my email prayer list. Some of you are on it. And I sent out a quick email saying, please pray for this situation. We've, we've got a pending situation that could cause a tribal war. That night, true to Margaret's comments, the tribe of Mosin, the injured man, went and surrounded the other tribe on the other side of our compound. They were bent on annihilating that tribe. They were fully armed. But as they got to the village, not a single bushfire was burning. There was no smoke coming out of any hut. Not a dog barked. Not a child was crying. And they assumed that the village there by the hospital had heard they were coming and had gone to the mountains to hide. But in reality, God had put a holy hush on that village to protect many lives from being lost. I believe it was the power of prayers from one email. Now, I got an email back from the regional office because they were on my prayer list too. And they said, you must not send out alarming emails that will get back to America and then the church people will be worried. And I took them off my email list at that point. <laughs> but God was there through the power of prayer. Masa came to the hospital. He was a young man, 10 years of age. And he was in the road junction when a tribal, fire, a tribal fight broke out. Somebody came behind him and stabbed him in the back with a knife. No signs of life in the ER. We intubated him and we're doing CPR on the way back to the operating room. Didn't really need an anesthetic because there was no blood pressure and he was out. 
We opened his abdomen quickly. We clamped his aorta. I could not find the source of his bleeding. He had lost tremendous amounts of blood in the retroperitoneum of his abdomen. We stopped and had a really quick prayer meeting. Jesus, this man is dying. Help us. We need your wisdom. Need your skill. Amen. As soon as we finished that prayer, God showed me and directed me to where the blood vessel was bleeding. It was his renal artery that had been injured. We had to take out his kidney, and then we were able to get him alive off the operating table, but still no mental abilities. Three days went by with him in a coma from the loss of blood and no blood supply to his brain. We prayed to God for a, a second miracle, and Masa woke up three days later. And then we prayed that Masa would come to know Jesus. And when he went back to his village, some missionaries visited him, and there he gave his heart and life to Christ. Masa was one of my early patients. This is not a new story. Some of you may remember it. But Masa was a youth leader, a revival leader, went to a bivocational uh, training area where he learned gospel and Bible as well as some skills. And then just recently, he completed his ordination requirements through our Extension Bible School program, and now Masa is a Nazarene pastor. And his sons are teenagers, and they are serving with him in his church, serving in the music ministry. I praise the Lord for his enablement. Not every patient is a success at Kujip Hospital. Some people come too late for us to heal them or for, for us to be able to do much, but we give them the hope of heaven. Gertrude's mother. Gertrude is a women's ministries leader in, in our, our area. Her mother came to the hospital, and she was very old. She had an acute abdominal situation, peritonitis. We didn't know what from. We were afraid to operate on her because when we asked how old she was, it appeared that all of the other people who were her age in the village have died. She was probably in her 80s. But we took her to surgery, and what we found was that she had had a perforated gallbladder with gallstones and infected bile throughout her abdomen. God helped us that day with surgery. We were able to get the gallbladder removed, the stones cleaned up, the infection washed out. And I kind of was very proud of myself and our hospital because we had gotten this octogenarian through that major surgery. But on the second post-op day, she too had a cardiac arrest. And despite CPR, we could not resuscitate Gertrude's mother. When we had inquired on her spiritual status, Gertrude assured us that she was a devout Nazarene who knew Jesus and was ready to go to heaven. But we prayed with the family that night for God's comfort, and then they went home and took her mother home. In New Guinea, when someone dies, there's usually a period called a cry-cry, where they will sit by the graveside and mourn heavily and wailing to make sure that the ancestral spirits and the evil spirits know how sorry they are that this person has died so there will not be repercussions. Gertrude's family decided they're not going to do that for Mama. We are going to break with culture and tradition. We are going to sit up by the graveside, and we are going to praise God and have a revival. When I saw them a week, two weeks later, I said, how have things happened there? And they said, you won't believe what's happened. God has broken into our village in revival. 
The worst criminals in our village have become converted because we chose not to mourn, but to praise God in her passing. And we had a tent meeting instead of a cry-cry. Forty people came to Jesus Christ through the death of that saint. And what was a medical failure was a spiritual success as many more people went to know Jesus. I was telling that story to my staff because I wanted them to be encouraged because they feel badly when we lose a patient. We were operating and doing a minor surgery on a young man and another young man was with him. And as I finished the story, the young man said, that was my grandmother. And I didn't know Jesus, but I do now. And still people are coming to know him, he said. Praise the Lord for how he enables us to do his work. God has been with our family in the United States when they've gone through illnesses and death. And as we've been apart, I came back last March for my dad's funeral. He had served the Nazarene church for 50 years as a pastor and went to be with Jesus. And his last words to me were, how faithful God has been to our family. Kathy's mom's in hospice care just now. Maybe days left before she goes to her reward and every person that goes into her room comes out crying from the witness of her life and her testimony and her prayers for them. A nurse aide came the other day to give her a bath from hospice and Kathy's mom found out that she had had cancer, this nurse aide. And at the end of her visit, she said, can I pray for you? And God used Kathy's mom continually to bring joy and to bring the joy of Jesus to others. God has been with our families and kids in times of transition and change. He has not failed us nor forsaken us. I want to tell you, church, today, Jesus never fails. That old hymn was badly named, He Never Has Failed Me, yet He has never failed me and He's not going to. Jesus never fails. He never fails His word, every bit of it. He never fails his nature, his loving, gracious, righteous, holy, powerful, wise nature. He never changes and and fails his promises to us. The corporate promises we all hold in the Bible and the individual promises to you. He never changes his plans for us. He never fails us in those plans. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. He will be with us. He will not fail us in his will for us to bless us and use us and to bring us eventually to himself in heaven. Today I would tell you, Pastor Alex and church, you can trust him with everything. There's nothing in our lives. He is absolutely trustworthy. He has never left me nor forsaken me. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And all you give to him of your family and your resources. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort. Here by faith in him to dwell For I know whate'er befalls me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread. 
gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with his living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul athirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. I've seen that in my mother-in-law. In these last days of suffering, the spring of joy Jesus has given her to share. All the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of his love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit, clothed in mortal wings, its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. I hope you have that same feeling that all the way my Savior leads me, he does all things well. He has never left us nor forsaken us, and he will not leave or forsake this church and its pastor. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for helping us and partnering with us for the people of New Guinea and more stories to follow tonight and tomorrow. God bless you. Well, we're going to have the ushers come forward again. And one of the ways we get to partner um, with the Radcliffs and with our missionaries is to support them through giving. And so we are going to take another offering. This is a deputation offering. And what a deputation offering means is that the money that you would give to them today is going to go through the church to an account that can be used on the mission field. This is money that will be spent serving and working in Papua New Guinea. And so I would ask that you would partner with them and give generously to help the work that they're doing. It is an amazing thing to see what's happened in Papua New Guinea, and you have an opportunity to be a part of that now through giving. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity to hear from the Radcliffs. I thank you for the calling you put on their life, and I thank you for what you've done in their lives and what you're going to continue to do. And today I would just ask that, that, that you would help us to be generous and to partner with them and to give to, to help the ministry that you're doing in Papua New Guinea. Lord, we love you, and we give out of the fullness of our hearts in thy name. Amen. We're going to watch a video in just a minute, but I want to remind you that there's another way you can give. You can give online at wcnas.cc or through the app on your phone, but please join with us and give to this mission. Thank you, Jim and Kathy and Lydia, for being with us this morning. I always love hearing stories from people that have given their lives to serve the Lord. And as you walk away from this today, know that God wants to do something amazing in your life. You never would have known what God was going to do in your life, did you? And God's done amazing things. And God wants to do something in each and every one of our lives. And the best news that we heard today is what I want you to go with today, and that's this. When God calls you, God will be with you every step of the way. Father, go with us, be with us, and do amazing things through us in everything we do, Lord. We love you and we thank you. Amen. Have a great day.